From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Tuesday, December 10th, I believe. Is it Tuesday, uh, Keith? Yeah, uh, uh, Tuesday, right. December 10th, does that sound right? Here in Seattle. Yes. Tuesday in Seattle, I'm not sure what day it is over there, but <laughs> here in Seattle, it's Tuesday. It, it can be two different worlds out there. Uh, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for December 10th, 2019. The year quickly coming to a close. Um, and it is my honor to be joined by Keith Bennett, the PGA teaching professional at the Golf Club of Newcastle in Newcastle, Washington, a suburb of Seattle, and KeithBennettGolf.com, which we will get to shortly. Keith, welcome to Teeing It Up. Thanks, Jeremy. It's great to be here, man. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to having a chat with you. Um, nice meeting you recently, and uh, glad we could make this happen. Yes, as am I. Um, so let's talk just briefly up front about uh, something that I think is interesting, which is you teach a lot of young players. You teach a lot of beginners. You teach everybody and everything. And yep. to me... The Patrick Reed controversy is interesting in that it speaks to the heart of what golf is. I'm not going to ask you if, you if if you think Patrick Reed is a cheater, unless you want to go there. But I'm not going to put you on the spot. But when you've done your teaching over the years, how do you instill good values and the and the good life skills that golf teaches you because to me no matter what you think of the patrick reed incident whether you believe his story about the camera angle or whether you believe that he's a blatant cheater and should be suspended i do think this is a great teachable moment for us golf fans and those who love the game to teach those around us these are the virtues of golf so how do you go about that in your teaching yeah, you know, I think golf is such a unique sport, right, in that sense where there's this book of rules uh, and then there's this, you know, this umbrella of consciousness sort of sportsmanlike conduct that as golfers we call on ourselves. You know, we have playing competitors and playing partners in a tournament round of golf who can also make that call. Um, but for the most part, you know, if we're out playing by ourselves or if most likely the scenario nobody sees the infraction happen um it really just comes down to you to make that call and to notify everybody else in your group that a penalty has occurred and i'm going to be taking a i'm going to be adding one to my score on this hole and and that's the the big the most unique thing about the game we play is that there are no referees there's nobody there's you know for the most part unless you're on the pga tour there's no cameras following you around that would ever see that happen if you if that occurred to you and you're not Patrick Reed and there aren't five cameras on you when you're making your shot, you know? So that comes down to you. And I think that's what makes the game pretty cool in that sense is that we, it's up to us to make that call. And then if you don't and you, and you feel that you, you're getting away with something, you know, that's, you're going to have to carry that with you. Um, and that's probably going to eat away at you. And, will affect the rest of your rounds or the course of your career, right? You, you, you might not forget that, um, depending on who you are. So I think just instilling in golfers and young golfers that I teach that how unique this sport is and cool it is that it's up to you and there's no one else out there with you that, that 
know, what do you want to, what you, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your, your character to be? You know, who are you as a person? Um, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to play so much golf. We're all going to make some mistakes and some penalties are going to occur. Um, you know, calling one is the right thing to do, and it's really not going to affect the longevity of your golfing career. And it's just, it's just something on your conscience that you can wipe clean in the moment. So I, I mean, I try to impress that upon upon the the kids that I teach who are getting ready to play competitive situations. Yeah, it's a great thing to be teaching them, and it's a great mindset to have because uh, this is a unique sport. And as you said, unless uh, unless somebody's taking a video because you have a birdie putt or something, or you know, it's an insane bunker shot, or it's a tee shot over a really pretty hole, you're probably not going to have video evidence of it. So, no, uh, exactly. Um, it's 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 a really unique situation. We are talking to Keith Bennett, the PGA teaching professional at the Golf Club of Newcastle in Newcastle, Washington. And the reason why Keith is on the show today is that we're talking about skills and things you can do over the winter to make your game better. Uh, we are recording this in the uh, off season for a lot of golf clubs up north. And, and by the same vein, some people may stumble upon this podcast in the heat of the summer down south, which is their off season. That brings you inside both ways. Either it's too cold to be outside or it's too hot to be outside. So you're coming in both ways. So the theme of this podcast is how to make your game better during the off season when you can't be out there grinding. So let's look at this first from a golf standpoint, an actual green grass standpoint. If you are somebody that has access to a facility, either covered air-conditioned, heated, whatever your season happens to be, what do you find are the best ways to improve your game golf swing-wise and golf game-wise during the off-season? Oh, man, where do we begin? Uh, there's <laughs> so much that yeah, I mean, there's so much that you can do, you know, aside from just standing there and hitting balls on a range. Um, and I truly believe that a lot of the best work can be done away from a golf ball. Um you know, one of my mentors, Ed LeBeau, who is uh, kind of a disciple from Manuel De La Torre, who is uh, one of the fathers of uh, club-focused golf instruction, um, is, you know, he always says, you know, the golf ball is the number one distractor in the game of golf. And, and the more lessons I give, the more truth that really rings. Um, you know, people always say, you know, my practice swing is always so good, and then I go to hit the ball, and it just feels nothing like my practice swing. And the main reason I see is, you know, when we talk about the word swing, right, it has a connotation of feeling, right? It's a holistic movement. It has a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, there's a, there's a holistic thing to the word swing. And then when you talk about, I'm going to go hit a golf ball, when you talk about the word hit, that word brings around another meaning of, you know, that club sort of has a finality, a stop at the golf ball. You know, you hit something, you hit a nail, you hit a tree with an ax, there's a stopping point. And a lot of people, I think, when they make their swing, there's a nice fluid movement to it. They make a nice long backswing, a nice balance, finish through it, follow through. And then when they go to hit a golf ball, you know, that swing becomes very up and down, very 
you know, downward striking, if you will, um, and and they lose a lot of their momentum and balance kind of towards that golf ball because they want to hit at it, and, they, and they're told to hit at it, and they're told to keep their head down and all this sort of stuff. And the, really the only thing that's changed is that golf ball is now there. You know, that's the only thing that's changed. Everybody can brush the grass and make a nice practice swing when the golf ball isn't there, and then you put that little white ball down in front of you, and it all goes out the window. So I think... In my opinion, a lot of the best work that I've seen done from myself and from some of my students is is swings being made and mindsets being changed away from a golf ball. And then when you go and put that golf ball down there, if you've kind of built up this nice mindset around it, you can have a lot of success. Um, and so swing-wise, if we're talking about improving swing in the off-season, one of the things I really recommend is doing 20 slow motion swings a day. Um, and the slow motion part is important here. Uh, there's been a lot of research and a lot of good studies done on the on the value of slow motion swings, and especially with your eyes closed, actually. So, you know, visualization is one of the main things that you need to change your pattern, to change your motion, right? Everybody has this idea of muscle memory. Well, you know, a lot of people have taken long looks at muscle cells in the body through microscopes and there are no memory cells in there. They can't find any. Uh, it all exists in the brain. And the brain is the first thing that needs to change if the muscles are going to change and the movement patterns are going to change. So visualization is more important than a lot of people give credit to. So making these swings with your eyes closed is so important because you get into this nice zen state of you can actually see the golf club moving around your body with your eyes closed and you can feel the movements of your muscles and, and, and the things that you want your body to do so much more in tuned because you have to fight for your balance. You have to really see everything and feel everything that's going on. And doing it in slow motion, you can really, really get into the motions and control the movements that you want to make happen. And it seems like pretty easy to do, and that's kind of the nice thing, but tw you do that 20 times a day for 20 days, you'll see some really nice changes taking place. And I think a great extension of that um, is my next question. And shout out to my swing coach, Chris, uh, 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 sorry, Chris Johnston here in New Jersey. And one of the things Chris always talks about is... If you're somebody who lives in a, in a place where it takes time for your shower or your bath water to warm up, that is a wonderful opportunity. And, and, and this is the one not rated G part of the podcast, but it doesn't go to that area, folks. So, so just bear with me. Um, that while you wait for the water to warm up, it's a great opportunity to practice your swing because you're, you're A, most likely surrounded by mirrors B, you're wearing no clothes. Why do the PGA Tour guys, especially the the, the whole spring break crew who goes to who, who who goes to Baker's Bay, like to practice with no shirts and no shoes? Well, suddenly you can see your your body better. You can see what it's doing better. And his point, Keith, was use that as an opportunity to check your positions because you're most likely surrounded by mirrors. You're wearing no clothes, and it's a great look at where your body actually is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, mirror work is probably the most beneficial thing you can do indoors. Um, you know, throughout college, still to this day, I've had a uh, you know full-length mirror with an, in an area that I can make a full golf swing in my apartment. Um, 
and I do it regularly. I mean, and I have a golf club sitting next to that mirror, so anytime I walk by, I kind of pick it up, pause for a minute or two, check some positions that I'm working on, check some things that I'm doing, and just doing that, even if you did that maybe 10, 10 times a day, just pausing, you know, for 10 swings every time you walk past it, or whatever the case may be, it doesn't even have to be that much, but if you can see it and visualize it and look in the mirror and see where you want that golf club to be, see where you want everything to line up, um, it, ju- it really does just seep into your subconscious brain, and it takes a while. There's no secret sauce to this game. There's no magic pill, no matter what anybody tells you. It takes a while, but these are the most proven techniques and proven things you can do. And I would be do I do this, and I would be doing this even in on season, right? Even in prime season, wherever your your golf club is, um, it's just so beneficial. Um, we're talking to Keith Bennett, the PGA teaching professional at the Golf Club of Newcastle and Newcastle, Washington, about off season work you can do. I'm somebody that, as a junior golfer, did a lot of work putting on carpet. Mm-hmm. What is your take on putting on carpet, uh, especially in terms of results? Because you can get in putting contests, but you're also potentially putting on very slow carpet. So when it comes to putting, what do you like to do inside, or what do you recommend to do inside? Uh, you know, I got... I would recommend, there's a few things that I think everybody should have, uh, every golfer, when it comes to putting. And I think one of those things is a putting mirror. There's a couple companies that, you know, a bunch of companies make them nowadays, but um, the putting mirror has been the foundation and the root of my putting fundamentals over the years. And you take a look at any PGA Tour stop, you go to any PGA Tour event, you'll see at least, a quarter of the guys using a putting mirror and a chalk line when they're putting, uh, practice putting. Um, and what they're doing is they're checking that their eye line, you know, the, that their eyes are right over the golf ball, or some people like to see it slightly inside the golf ball, more towards their toes, uh, depending on who you talk to. But there's a, there's a little window that they're all trying to keep their eyes in, and that's mainly so that they can scan their line with their eyeballs and really see the line of their putt. You know, I see so many amateur golfers with putters that don't fit for starters. So this off season, go get yourself fit for a correct putter length. There, it's not just one size fits all off the rack. That's my biggest uh, thing with putting is that you need a putter size that fits. You know, my putter is about 31 inches. I have to get every putter I get off the rack cut down because they all come around 34, 35, and those mm-hmm. are way too long for me at five foot eight uh my eyes are just over my toes uh and if i grip down correctly i'm gripping down on the shaft of the putter so i have to get them all cut down so that's my number one bit of advice this year is to go get yourself your go get your putter modified your current putter they can pop the grip off and cut it down and put the grip right back on it and I guarantee you'll have more success on the green. So that's number one. And then number two, once that once you do make that happen, uh, get a putting mirror and putt, and this sounds funny, but putt with your shoes on, your normal golf shoes, or anything with with some sort of base to it. Uh, believe it or not, right? There's I mean, there's a difference between wearing shoes and, and being barefoot on a carpet. You're going to sink into that carpet and bare feet, and all of a sudden you're standing smaller and shorter than you would on, on grass. And so mm-hmm. if you're going to practice all year, you might as well practice um, 
in your actual golf setup if you're you know if you want to take it that far i'm a, I'm a bit of a golf nut so i understand <laughs> if you don't want to be standing in your house with your golf shoes on but uh, how, uh should you also wear a collared shirt shorts golf hat you know the whole nine yards sunscreen correct yeah exactly yeah i get really into it yeah uh <laughs> but um <laughs> uh, but the putting mirror will allow you to check your eye line and before you know it you'll be automatically getting into this stance over your putter that has your eyes directly over the golf ball or slightly inside of it. Um, you'll be in a better posture. Your arms will be hanging nice and relaxed, and you'll just ingrain that position. So when you step out on a putting green when you're ready to go in the spring, uh, you'll be so much more comfortable, and you'll have that position just dialed in, and it'll feel, it'll feel like the, your natural go-to posture. So that would be my number one bit of advice. Um. I can just imagine you like in a Dick Sporting Goods type place practicing your putting on a uh, uh, practicing your putting while choking down on it and choke down putting stroke is not something I've ever heard before. <laughs> uh, that, I have to imagine that mental image though of you like and eh, let me see if this if this putter head works right and now you're choking down on it, which has got to be hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to if I want to get a true feel for what I would be like in my, you know, in my stroke. And yeah. It was, it's kind of all born from where I want my eye line, right over the golf ball, so I can see the line of my putt better, which is also going to help me swing my putter head more directly at my target. Um, you know, I just, I see it, I literally see it, it's the number one thing, I, I see it every time I go play with, with a recreational golfer, um, is that they have a 34 35 inch putter and you know those putters are that length is standard because it's the 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 length that i believe and you could fact check this but it's the length i believe that will allow the putter head to rest outside the top of a golf bag and that's the only reason why it's made at 34 35 Mm. inches so you know my putter doesn't hit the bottom of my golf bag is you know the head of it rests on the uh, on the divider on the top but um you know, once I figured that out, I started putting so much better and my posture became so much more relaxed and it felt so much more natural. I wasn't standing so dead upright just so I could let the, you know, the putter sit and I could grip it on the actual grip. Um, and that was a big game changer for me. And I'm so glad you said that too, because a lot of people I think hear full swing fittings and they forget about putter fittings, which are vital. Oh, gosh, so yeah. um, I'm really glad you said that. We're talking to Keith Bennett here from uh, just outside Seattle, Washington. Keith, a lot of people read golf magazines during the off-season. They read uh, stuff online. They watch golf on TV. They stay, stay, look at these swing analyses, and they say, ooh, this sounds good. I'm going to try this. And it's still the off-season, yeah. and now they're practicing something that may not be good for their game. Now, obviously, I'm going to ask you a question you can't answer, which is what tips are good or what t- you know for somebody and what tips are bad. Obviously, you right. can't you you can't answer this without knowing the person. But if somebody sees something that's technical, because for me, for example, if I see someone's pre-shot routine that I find interesting, for example, I had a tendency two years ago to aim left a lot. And Jack Nicholas always talks about picking out and picking out an intermediate target and basing your aim off that. Okay, that's simple enough. I can do that, right? Line up the club head 
and 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 the uh, club face to this intermediate target then get set up cool that works no problem there but if you look at matthew wolf's backswing not everybody should be taking matthew wolf's backswing so right. when you're watching golf when you're reading this stuff when you're consuming golf in the off season what should people pay attention to and what should people disregard because the golf swing is in the end a personal thing absolutely um you know i think there are some fundamentals that when done right can domino affect the rest of the swing in a positive way. And then there are some stuff that people get into grip-wise, stance-wise, that make it almost impossible for them to square the club face up on a regular basis. Um, and so if I were to pick anything out, I would zero in on the fundamental type stuff. And, and one of the main things being grip, um, the grip is our only physical connection to the golf club. It's the only part of our body that actually touches the golf club. And everybody takes it for granted. They just kind of put their hands on it however feels comfortable, and they figure, well, that's, that seems about right. But it really does. If you get the grip right from an early onset, or if you're going to work on something this off season and you want to change something that could drastically change the rest of your swing, it would be the grip, I believe, um, and just making sure that you have a, a, a sound a sound place hand placement on that club. And you're going to hear a bunch of different things, you know, overlap, interlock, 10-finger grip, you know, what's best. I believe you kind of just have to find what's best for you. But the way those hands are placed on the club, mainly for a lot of recreational golfers, we see that lead hand, right, the left hand for a right-handed golfer, uh, that palm is way too much over towards the left side of the handle. So that the left thumb is directly on top of the grip. The palm is on the left side of the handle, what we call in the golf world, you know, the weak grip position. Not talking so much about how strong or firm you hold the grip, not weak in that sense, but weak is that the hand is turned to the left of the handle if you're looking down at the club there. Um, and then the right hand is just kind of placed on however they feel best. Um, and whether they know it or not, they, they obviously don't know it at the time, but they, their grip position that they, they put on the club and they start hitting balls with, that, that becomes extremely comfortable to them. And now it's very hard to change all of a sudden when you go see an instructor. It uh, becomes very hard to change, and it feels uncomfortable, and, and people don't like change. Uh, it's one of the things that I've come to find in uh, my <laughs> few years of teaching golf is that nobody wants to change. They just want better results, which is kind of backwards. But... Um, yeah, the grip, uh, making sure that, that the handle is more in the fingertips of both hands, running through the running through the fingers, uh, not so much towards the palm, so that you can have a nice, nice even grip pressure and some nice mobility in the wrist, um, which will make it easier to square that club face up. So for me, I think that would be the number one thing to focus on this offseason is because it's one of the main areas that I see that a lot of golfers struggle with and it, and it cascades into a lot of things in their swing. Continuing education, uh, no matter what field you work in when you're listening to this, continuing education is so vital to being the best you yep. can be every single day. For the teachers out there, the golf teachers, by the way, if you're a school teacher, God bless you, uh, you're amazing. But unfortunately, this question's aimed at golf teachers. Um, for your fellow PGA professionals out there listening to this, how do what's your recommendation for getting better during the off season when they may have more time versus when they're 
you know, lesson uh, T is is packed from seven to seven during the height of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much out there literature-wise and online nowadays um, that it's the easiest it's ever been to educate yourself and to improve yourself um, teaching-wise. Uh, I would say I've read countless golf psychology books from Rotella to Larden to, um, you know, the list goes on there, but I read them over and over uh, and I pick up new things that I can impart on my students. Um, And I'd say it's been one of the biggest things for me professionally, but also helping out my own game and in the games of my students is to is to just read those books, the, the, the psychology books, and um, just see if you can pick up things that, I mean, because at the end of the day, we're dealing with, we're dealing with human beings and it's the human interaction. You know, the, the golf swing itself isn't tremendously complicated if you break it down. Um, but what is complicated is being able to communicate a message to the human standing in front of you, the person standing in front of you, and everybody digests a message differently. Um, and they take it, you know, one word, one saying here or there can have a, a huge light bulb moment for someone and then might, might miss the mark on somebody else. So just the communication wise and, and how to deliver a message would be my biggest thing. You know, I, I think anytime you hear people talk, you know, why is Butch Harmon the number one golf instructor year over year voted by Golf Digest? And one of the main things I've always heard over the years is that he's the best communicator that anyone's ever come across, you know? Um, And that struck me as something that might be pretty important as a golf instructor to be able to communicate a message. You know, you could have the best message in the world, but if you can't deliver it in a simple way that someone can understand it and apply, it's not really going to be super, as effective as somebody else might be. Mm. Um, so that would be something that I would I would really recommend to, to anybody, and it's and it's something that you can do, you know, whenever. Uh, talking to Keith Bennett, Golf Club of Newcastle, Newcastle, Washington, PGA teaching professional. Anything else about getting your game better during winter that we have not, or sorry, during the off season that we have not mentioned here yet? Yeah, I think the number one thing at the end of the day is to, if you're lost or if you're searching on YouTube or whatever the case may be and you just, not, nothing's working for you, I mean, Find a golf instructor that you like and stick with him. If you like the way he delivers a message or he or she delivers a message, um, stick with it and because they are going to give you what you need to work on during the off season. I think the biggest thing, and you sort of touched on it a little bit earlier with the golf magazines and, and just picking a random tip every week that you're going to try to work on is that you know, our brains are giant computers and they like the same message to be inputted over and over and over, right? The more you input the same command and the same instruction over and over, the simpler and more easily your body's going to get to the end result. It's going to, our brains are built to get to an end result more quickly over and over if we deliver the same input to it. 
So if you're just constantly bouncing around, taking a tip a week that you're going to try, your body can't, it's it just, you're just disrupting it too many times. So it's going, well, hey, wait a minute. You were trying to do this with the club base last week, and now you want me to do this. And now next week it's probably going to be something else. And there's going to be no continuity. There's going to be no crossover um, to the spring when you're ready to go play golf. Your, your brain's still going to be in sort of the bounce around mode instead of the calm down. I know what I'm working on mode. I know what I'm meant to do. So find an instructor who gives you an off-season program and things to work on when you're at home. That way you can have something that you can go to and you know you're building towards something and that can be provided as motivation. You're, okay, I'm working on this because it's going to translate into X and then your brain can sort of get behind it and then your body can get on the same page as well and then you can make some real serious progress. But the whole searching for gold on every tip that you read is kind of a fruitless endeavor, unfortunately. Keith Bennett, PGA teaching professional, the golf club of Newcastle. Now, if you've liked what you've heard from Keith Bennett, you can actually get his teaching through KeithBennettGolf.com. Keith, the floor is yours. How can people hire you? Because this is doable no matter where you're hearing this on Teeing It Up. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful world we live in in 2019, <laughs> and no matter where you are in the world, you can take a lesson from somebody as long as they are set up to do, which I am. So um, it's been very fun, but uh, I give online lessons through an app called the Skillist app. That's S-K-I-L-L-E-S-T, Skillist app. Uh, which you can download from the iTunes App Store, um, and it's a really cool platform. Uh, I can ha- I have all the state of the art analysis tools that I need: slow motion, line drawing, pro comparison, um, voiceover. While I'm doing all that sort of cool stuff, and then I can even go in and record myself in front of the cam, in front of the phone, for up to you know 15, 20 minutes detailing the lesson and detailing the drills and things that I want you to work on over the coming weeks and then shoot it all back to you and we have all of our communication saved over the app platform. You build a profile there. Um, I offer unlimited monthly memberships and one-off lessons. So I have a number of people doing the unlimited monthly lessons and they can send me as many videos as they want uh, in season and off season uh, working on their game and checking in with me and then I have a lot of people who also kind of periodically once a month, once every other month, send me a a one-off lesson and we'll kind of go about it the same way. It just depends on how much golf you play and how much work you want to get done, really. But um, it's been really fun. I've worked with people in India and Mexico and New Zealand and uh, all the way over in, uh, you know, Chicago, all over the country, Florida, wherever the case may be. Uh, So it's been very fun, but... Yeah, it also gives everybody the ability if you if you follow me on Instagram, Keith Bennett Golf, uh, and I put some instructional stuff on up there. If you like my teaching style or feel like you could benefit from something that I do or, or a message that I deliver, then you can you can take a lesson from me wherever you are. Really, really good stuff on Instagram. Highly recommend it, folks. Um, all right, every first-time guest on Teeing It Up gets two random questions. They don't know what it is. It's not personal. It's the only thing I tell them, um, but they are very random, and uh, they don't know what's coming until right now. Your first question, Keith Bennett, 
is your golf superstitions. We all have them. What's yours? Man, my golf superstitions. Um, golf superstitions. Slash things you do. Like, I only mark the ball with a dime, you know? Oh, got it. My got golf it. balls are in my left pocket, my phone wallet, and all, you know everything else is in my right, like you know, right pocket. Things like that. Not, not, not so much superstitions as like um, I will only play on Saturdays. Although, although, if you only play on Saturdays at eight thirty a.m., I I do want to hear the rationale for why. But uh, <laughs> it's more just you know your quirks about why you know the the weird things us golfers do because we think it helps us. Yeah, golf superstitions, I would say, I play, I, I only, and it kind of goes back to the, or marking the ball, but I got this cool coin that I marked my ball with, and I got it when I was at the PGA, PGM program at New Mexico State, and uh, the director of the program down there, Pat Gavin, would always do these cool awards and cool things at the end of the year, and I think I ended up winning a tournament uh, in the PGM program there, they do a tournament a week I think or maybe even possibly more during the season uh, and it was a New Mexico State and it said tournament champion and it was a really cool ball marker with the school logo and an outline of New Mexico on the other side and I've always marked my ball with that marker um, and it's the only one I use and if I don't have it well I know where it is all the time I never lose it but um, yeah it's the only thing I mark my ball with and I'd say that's probably the only thing that I've been constant every round I play that's what I do other than that I don't really have too many other crazy superstitions when it comes to golf I try not to bog myself down mentally with that sort of stuff there's already enough going on in my head during a round of golf I don't need to get too wrapped up in too much else (laughs) um by rule every golf ball must be marked in some way so that you can identify it as such uh if need be how do you mark your golf balls so I play a Pro V1X, or a red golf ball, uh, a red Titleist marking, um, and I throw a black line right over the uh, the Pro V1X for, uh, for a little bit better alignment on the green. I draw a little Sharpie line right over that, and then uh, I mark one single black dot over the T of the Titleist, and that's kind of just all I've done for a little while now. I haven't, got, haven't made it too complicated. There you go. Uh, green's my favorite color, not not just because of the Jets, but partially because of the Jets. And uh, I mark my ball right on top of the tie list with a green J, and I do one without the J having that you know cross line like a T at the top, and then the other ball's with so that I, I can discern which ball is which. Because as amateur golfers, unfortunately, we tend to hit if, if, if we need to play a provisional, unfortunately, we usually tend to hit it in the exact same place that we hit the first ball. <laughs> so you need some way to identify which ball is which. And you have successfully passed the two random questions portion of teeing it up. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Um, got is, got yes. Um, any, uh, you know, you've been great, Keith, and I thank you for your time. Um, is there anything else you want to say just before we say adios uh, for this podcast today here on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling? Um, I just want to thank you for the opportunity for talking with you this morning. It's been great getting to know you. Um, I would just 
recommend that everybody enjoy every round of golf they play and make sure that they're out on the golf course for the right reasons. Um, you know, set your your goals for the beginning of each round. If you're out there just to have fun and enjoy the company you're with, then make sure that you don't end up getting too stressed over what happens during the round of golf. Um, for a lot of people, it's a, a recreational hobby and a way to get exercise and to be outside in the open air in a beautiful manicured park, essentially, with friends. And I see a lot of rounds get sort of derailed um, because they're not shooting the scores they want when they've practiced once in the last two months. So I would recommend making sure that when you're on the golf course, just enjoy yourself regardless of your skill level. It's the greatest game that we get to play and on the beautiful, most beautiful setting that, that you can enjoy a sport on. So that would be my parting words. Have fun out there. I love that. Um, and on that note, and on that upbeat note, this has been Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, Keith Bennett, golf I'm sorry, PJ Teaching Professional, the Golf Club of Newcastle, and KeithBennettGolf.com. Keith, thank you for coming on Teeing It Up. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely, and thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.